This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, welcome to the brand new, 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 new year, new decade, 2020. Here we go. And that for Author You, your guide to book publishing, we're really looking about being the vision of your author success, of your author publishing, of your author book marketing, of author repurposing of old ideas, of the creation 2020 of brand new ideas. So how about this to kick off the new year? How about writing a kid's book? What about the children, the millions of children who gobble up, devour books, whether they're audio, video, but they love old-fashioned print? And you're thinking, wait a minute, the show isn't for me. I just write adult books. I deal with nutrition. I deal with whatever it is. Ah, you're wrong. This show is for you because we're talking about taking your expertise, whatever it is, whoever it's for that you thought, and doing some twists and tweaks to it and create something for the little ones. With me is the amazing, awesome, multi-book award winner, master of all sales, Lisa Renicki, who has written both in the children's arena as well as for adults. And Lisa, who can be found at Lisa Renicki, that's R-E-I-N-I-C-K-E dot com, is our expert guest today to really guide us and lead us away. Lisa, welcome to Author You, your guide to book publishing. Hey, hi, Judith. I'm so glad to be here. Me too. Me too. One of my very <laughs> favorite people in the whole world. Uh, um, I- um, <laughs> so... Here we go. Where do we right, start, Lisa? Go. Yeah, where do we start? Oh, my gosh. You know, every time that I write an adult book, I think of how can I change this over to the kids because the same message can absolutely be taught to kids or there's nuggets of wisdom in there that kids need to hear out of every book. And kids are just this they're this new little creature and they need they need everything. So everything that you have to say can be taught to children. And and a lot of adults just don't realize that though. Because they're they're on this one track. The train's going down this track, and by golly, I'm gonna file every sales business salesperson in the world and they forgot that Oh, my gosh, little people are the masters of sales. <laughs> they are. And, you know, you can only you can only read your kids so many dog and puppy and kitty books mm-hmm. that they're much more um, – they know more than we give them credit for, and they can handle more information than we're giving them in just a puppy story. And that's what makes it fun. I, I think that's what makes it really, really fun. Uh, it is. In and, that. You know, you, 
you mentioned nutrition in your intro mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And yeah. what what a great thing to start teaching kids in a fun story. I mean, Arnold eats everything that's really bad for him. And they think it's hysterical when he gets to be 300 pounds and he has to get healthy. Well, what a fun way to teach kids about nutrition. And alternatives to junk food. Yes. Yeah. And, and, right. it, and, and, and it is, you know, it's a taste thing and you have to get to where you like leafy greens and, and veggies. So whatever expertise you have can be transformed to help kids. Which I love. I I love that idea. So all of you are listening in, fill in the blank. You know, my name is, and I'm an expert in blah, 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 blah. What is it? Now, we have fiction and nonfiction tracks. Those are our general tracks. And those of you who write sci-fi, do you think kids like sci-fi? I bet they do. But how do you present it? it. You know, what's the twist? Well, the twist is not making it too scary. You can't be, you know, over, you don't want to scare them at bedtime or they're going to be in their parents' bed. And then they're not going to want to write those books. (laughs) But, you know, I I think about your book, um, When God Uh Says No. I'm going to bring that up because I was thinking about that the other day. And I said, well, you know, that's kind of a deep subject and, you know, deep matter for kids. But then, you know, you put a twist on that when mom says no, when dad says no. And, you know, just with, with just looking at things just a little bit differently, it can quickly adapt to kids. And then you start morphing that on that, because I, I think what uh, a lot of adults, unless they have children, they get it. But if you haven't, you don't have little kids in your midst. Um, and, and I think we need to talk about that a little bit, too. How do you really get to know your audience when you don't live with it day to day? Is that to realize that, it, as you said, we can't scare them. But kids' books always have a message in them. There's always yeah. a good message, right? Yep, there sure is. And, you know, one other thing I was thinking of is just your kids' book just gets to things. Instead of every chapter doing its part, you know, like in a when you're writing for adults, every chapter has to move the story along, and every chapter has a job to do. Well, in a kids' book, every page has a job to do. So yes. every sentence that you're writing has to move the story along. You don't have the um, ability to go on and, you know, describe things. Well, that's your illustrator's job is to finish those descriptions for you. Well, because of the visual. The visual support yes. is so essential in kids' books. Yep. Yeah. And, like and when, when – Let's define, why don't we define the the ages we're talking about, Lisa? I think that's really important. Okay. Well, we'll let's talk about, you know, you've got your early, you know, your toddler books where you're not going to say much. You're just teaching them colors and, you know, think about Pat the Bunny. That was one of my kids' favorite books. As a little person, you're involving all of their senses. They're, you know, they're going to pat, they're going to get engaged in the book. And so mm-hmm. that's your your little people book up until about three years old, two and a half, three years old. And then you start to really read to them. So you've got your three to five-year-olds that they're you're reading to them in some good books. And then your, um, your I like to say four to eight 
where you're putting a few more words and pictures in it. And then you've got your early readers that come along for the, because kids are learning at such different rates now. You've kind of got to figure out where your kid is, um, and the parents will do that for you and tell them, oh, well, they're starting to read. And so then they'll want an early chapter book, which can go from uh, six to sometimes eight or nine mm -hmm. with more words. And, and as you said, uh, readers, uh, my kids were always very advanced readers. And I'll never forget the time, Lisa, that I got a call from the first grade teacher for my youngest daughters. And it was started off, Mrs. Bryles, do you know what your daughter's reading? And I said, no, <laughs> tell me, what is she reading? And, and uh, you know, because my heart palpitates. I love reading. I feel that if you can't read, if you don't encourage reading, you're playing a dirty trick on yourself and your kids. I, I mean, I strongly believe that. And that she said, well, she's reading alive. And I said, alive? So she took it from, I had just read alive. And yeah. alive was about the, the, the soccer team that went down in yeah. the, in the <laughs> Andes know, and turned into cannibals. Okay, so, <laughs> so I said, uh, does she seem to be understanding it? Oh, yeah, she's, she can't get her nose out of it. And then I said, oh. she has my permission to read it. Leave her alone. And, and, of course, Cheryl at six was reading as a, a mature teen could read. Um, and she's, that's just the way, that's her DNA. That's the way she came out. And I well, think know, that, you know, so the, so the books that, you know, you describe for these early readers, oh, that was passe. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. See, that was easy for her. But, you know, I think about what you, what you just said, Judith, and if we don't teach, if the kids are not getting this good stuff rather than, you know, really good things to read, then they are, we're setting them up to, for a, to live in, they're going to always be dependent on somebody else to tell them what's going on in the world. I, I know, and that's often a mistake. That's it. So um, we, we, my kids were uh, brought to have opinions. I may not agree with them, but they were about to have opinions and express them. And they got that from a lot of their reading that they did. All right. So we've defined it. We've got uh, just Lisa, because we're going to take our first break here in a couple of minutes. But toddlers are, are dealing with the senses. So how do they touch it? She's talked about that pat book. And you'll see, you know, elements of touch. You'll see little fur. You'll see bumps. You'll see things in books that are designed specifically to teach kids those elements. Um, and then the three to five where they're getting ready. Um, and parents are starting to get involved with the reading to them, four to eight. They're still reading, but kids are taking over. And you have early readers, so six to eight, and you've got chapter, early chapter books start. At least has got a wonderful uh, book for the early, early readers, like the six-year-old, perfect, perfect, called Toast. I, isn't that, is that the right title, Lisa? Toast with a Side of Dragons. Toast with a side of dragons. How perfect would that be? <laughs> In a, a little surprise gift um, on the area. It was a surprise gift. <laughs> yeah. So the thing I, I think that's really important before we, we take this first break is that if you're starting to really, let's think about, this is about writing children's books. I want to really encourage you to get to the children's section at your local brick and mortar store and also to the library. And you need to study 
what's in front of you, to see how they're presented, to see the elements, to see the type of words they use, even the font size and things. So you start learning about this wide, wide, very huge world of children's books. All right. And with that, with me is Lisa Renicky. We're talking that. We're going to show you how in our next few segments. It's Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing, and I'm Judith Browse. We'll be right back. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Is there a book in you? Or another? Author You shows you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hoodwinked. If you already have a book out... You will find a supportive and brainstorming community that is connected and creative, no matter where you live. Author U brings in national experts for its book camps and annual Author U extravaganza. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author U's extensive network, members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publishing. Author U is the premier authoring resource in the country, creating community, education, guidance, vision, and success for the serious author. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, Author U is for you. Timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted on its social media platforms, and it is free. Discover Author U, where authors go to become seriously successful. Join Author You today at authoru.org. Are you confused about publishing options? Do you know which printing option is best for your book? Does your stomach flip when you think about selling books? Or do you feel overwhelmed with what to do about book marketing and publicity? Get the answers and much more. Get them and from someone who knows publishing inside and out from both the traditional and independent sides how to make a successful book. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so. Or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, builds your brand and platform, and is a success, a bestseller. It is your choice. You choose. If you want author and publishing success, you want Judith Bryles as your book coach. Sign up for her weekly blogs and e-zine at thebookshepherd.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right. So we're talking kids' books, how you can really enter a 
multi-billion dollar world that you haven't even tapped on. Or for those of you who are already thinking or doing writing, how you might get better with it. With this is Lisa Renicky, an author of a gazillion children's books that keep breeding. It's almost like Lisa, you know the deal that there's never a one book author <laughs> when it comes oh, to kids' God. books. <laughs> Because everywhere I see, there's something to write about with kids. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, absolutely. All right. So we talked about the ages. They're all over the place um, on that. And you can, you need to, as you start off, I, I think the mistake I see a lot of authors who write kids' books is they write them um, for thinking that they're for their ranges from 3 to 10. Uh, no, that, that, it, that's not going to work. Uh, so narrow, 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 narrow it down um, and bring it in to find your age. And then, as I said before we went to the break, I really do want you all to go to children's libraries um, within a bookstore or the library itself. They have a section, a whole section. And actually, there is a librarian who buys specifically. It's called their portfolios. They buy for that portfolio. Um, and then the second thing is that you want to go into the bookstore. And really scan it and ask questions. Find out who's in charge of that section and, and ask what's selling and why do they think it's selling. Um, and that's part of your homework. That's your pre-work. So one of the things that helps sells a book, Lisa, is the design, is it not? Oh, boy. That is so important. Um, if you put something together that a kid can't read, a lot of people want, like, oh, well, I want lollipop font or I want this because it looks fun to kids. But it, the the kids can't, they're learning, they're just learning their letters. So they can't read lollipop font. Or they'll put the, um, the words inside the picture. So you've got this beautiful picture and words that are going across a tree or a stream or something, and now the word is lost. And so you've got a child that's just learned the word, or the letter L or S, and now the letter L and S is lost for them, and they can't read it. The parent can, but you're also doing two things with the children's book. You're teaching the story and enjoying the story. The first job is entertainment and enjoyment, but the second job is learning something new and the third job is their eyes are starting to focus on those letters, and they're learning that these letters mean something. And if they can't see them, they can't learn. Mm-hmm. So what Lisa is saying is don't bury your fabulous one word or three words, or maybe it's a sentence in a whole bunch of other stuff that gets lost. So... Books have two sides. Uh, as you open a book, there's two sides. On one, you can have words. That really separates it. And the other, you can have the illustration. That's one way, right, Lisa? It is. And you can put them at the bottom. You can have a, for small kids like Arnold, um, that's our two, two and a half to four, five-year-olds. We put the words in a completely separate place down at the bottom in the picture is in a frame type situation. So they can see, oh, a picture and words. So there's mm-hmm. several different ways you can do it. And, and so then they can do it. And I think that what's also so much fun with when a parent reads with a child, 
is that they don't rush through a book. They take time to enjoy the illustration, find out different things about the illustration and engage their child with what do they see. Um, certainly there's lessons in Arnold. Arnold, the cute little pig with a personality. Is that the right title? Did I get the title right? That, or is, did I do- that is his title. Yep, I'll be one. dang. I got it right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but to everyone, that's important. Say, I don't have the book in front of me. I have the book in my offices. I don't have the book in front of me, though, but I remember it. I, I clearly can remember what that cover looks like. And that's so important, which goes along with the design. So, Lisa, talk about some of the cover things. When you are doing a cover, what do you think about for the imaging? I think about uh, bright colors because kids love bright colors. Not putting too much on the cover because you want the kids, if you give them too much, especially the kids now that have um, ADHD, which I do have, or some other eye, you know, their eyes are just learning to take things in. If you, when you put too much on that cover, it's too much for them to look at. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to clutter it up. And then that's important with characters, too, because I see a lot of authors wanting to put too many people, too many characters to get to know in that 500 to 1,000 words. And you, mm-hmm. the child can't keep up with that many characters yet. Just like they can't keep up with the too many pictures that are going on quite yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. So simplicity is what we're talking about. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Yes. You I don't know. have to make it difficult. Sometimes we try to make it too difficult. All right. And then the other thing is on your design, just as important as the front cover is your back cover. You don't want to have a lot of commotion on that back cover. Um, I I actually, when I work with children's authors, I love to, the two things I'm looking for, if the illustrator had leftover uh, images that somehow didn't get into the interior, they might be perfect on the back cover. Or is there just really a fun, fun, or, uh, you know, an essential illustration that is just delightful and wonderful that's in the interior, you can bring it on the back. Or... You may have a cover on the front that goes all the way, wraps around the spine, and finishes on the back. I love those. So I like do, too. If you have a butterfly that's flying, like wings and feet, has the butterfly, and you get to see the butterfly fly away on the back, so which is kind of fun. Or if you have a series, like Toast with a Sight of Dragon is going to have a series. So at the end of the book, we leave it. We know another dragon is coming. And so mm-hmm. at the, on the back cover, the illustrator just put a single egg with a crack in it. So we know something's coming. Ah, a tease. A, a tease. tease. All right. I learned so, that from you. Yeah, I love to tease. <laughs> I do love to tease. All right. So let's go back to the creation of the book itself, Lisa. So we've got we've got a nutrition. Let's say that we our our author is an expert in in nutrition. Um, we, we I you know talked about and you have taken it and run with it. Arnold, who is naughtiness and ends up weighing a gazillion pounds and shouldn't be wearing a a little pig weighing 300 pounds. Um, So what are some of the things that you've written this book? Where do you start looking for the elements to pull together? And and then how do you take a serious line and turn it into kids speak? I I asked you a lot there. 
But yeah, you did. Well, first thing first is to not to preach to the kids. Is they get that from their mom and dad, and all of a sudden they're gonna they're just gonna shut down if you're gonna preach to them and just give them all facts. So it's gotta have something fun in it. So the first thing we want to do is we want to introduce them to the new character that's in the book. You mentioned you know Arnold, and who doesn't know Winnie the Pooh and Tigger? Now, all those characters in Winnie the Pooh didn't come all of it, all at once. We got to know Pooh first and maybe mm-hmm. Piglet. So the first thing we want to do is introduce them to our world. And so we want to call them in to adventure. So the very first thing we want to do in a children's book is get the child and the adult to, to join us in the book, usually with a question or a problem. Uh, think about what do you do with an idea? That was the way that book started. Um, in Bart's Escape Out the Gate, it's one day I made a big mistake. So the first thing they want to do is join them in our adventure. So that's our call to adventure. And then you have your first plot point. And then you're going to get about to page 15, another important thing is out of 32 pages, you only have 28 to work with. So at about page 15 is going to be your midpoint in the book. So where you're going to kind of start introducing the conflict and the rise to that climax point. And then you get about to page 25 or 26, and that's going to be your crucial point. And then you've got to wrap it up in your last four pages. Yeah, you got to fix it. <laughs> you got to fix it. You got to yeah. have, and you've got to have some humor in there, or, or or not. I think about the day the crayons quit. Yes, um, a wonderful book. It is a great book. Um, we encourage the kids to come along for the adventure. They can see red is overworked, right? Yep. Red is exhausted, and it's making is- him pissy. And he and he yes. he revolts, <laughs> right? And you, can, and you can see all of them. Now that is one that we did have a lot of characters, but yeah. he spent a whole day on each character and then wrapped it up. I mean, that was the whole story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But that you know, red brings it together. And um, uh, I mean, but it, it it's just the whole thing. There's another book. About you know dragons loving tacos. I can't remember the exact title. Oh but, yeah, I think it is dragons love tacos. You do, tra- okay, there you go. So I remember seeing a poster actually of it, and I fell in love with. I would buy the book because of the book cover. I have to tell everyone, um, I'm a sucker for a great book cover, and and pulling it in, especially with kids' books, they're so different. They're so delightful. Um, and it's just an amazing, an amazing thing to go through. One, so well, go ahead. One thing I was going to say is I, that I learned this weekend is I was working with another author. It has a terrific book, but it, it also helps an adult. If you can read the book, if you read it out loud and yeah. you read it with expression yes. of how you would read it to your child, if yeah. you were sitting on your couch, then you yep. know if you've missed the mark or you hit the mark. Yep, there you go. I need to have you hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break here because this is really that people forget, especially adults who are writing out for kids and they don't have little ones in their their midst right now. They miss a lot of marks by not doing what Lisa just said, reading it aloud. We'll be right back. 
This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Discover the power of you and your book at the Judith Bryles Unplugged events. Each summer, Judith Bryles Book Marketing Unplugged unfolds over three intensive days working with just Judith. You get publishing strategies, author and book platforms, book marketing panache and pizzazz, and authoring tools to take you and your book to rock star success. In the fall and winter, Judith Bryles Speaking Unplugged includes Judith as your coach and mentor during two powerful days. You will learn how to structure a speech, how to create openings and closings, how to find gigs that pay you and sell your books, and you will get one-on-one -on -one coaching. Go to thebookshepherd.com and click on the Events tab to learn how to participate at the next Unplugged Workshop event. First impressions are everything in the world of book publishing. Whether your book is an ebook, a print version, or both, your book cover needs to pop, sizzle, and sparkle to immediately capture the attention of your audience. And your book's interior needs to be just as dynamic and reflect the professionalism your readers demand. Nick Selinger of NZ Graphics has won numerous national and international book awards for his cover designs and interior layouts. With over 20 years of experience in graphic design, he knows what it takes to create award-winning books and the many promotional pieces that authors need, such as posters, banners, postcards, one-sheets, business cards, logos, and more. Visit ncgraphics.com and see what authors and publishers have to say about their award-winning books and how NZ Graphics can make your book the success it was meant to be. That's nzgraphics.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. So we wanted to let you know we mentioned Jeff Bridges earlier. Um, and he my, he is just an, an amazing actor. But the movie that I was referring to um, where he was an author, children's author, was called The Door in the Floor. The Door in the Floor. All right. So Lisa Renicki is with me. We're talking kids' books. She is a wonderful author, has won a gazillion awards uh, for Reader's Choice to On Out for her writing. And off off the air, we are talking about some of the hiccups, some of the boo-boos that uh, people get pulled away from. And it's actually within the writing as well. I mean, we talked about the design that don't get it too complicated. Um, don't put words on top of your images if you can avoid it or you need to pull them away so that they stand out with some kind of a, you know, some background technique um, with that. But also there's the actual writing, the how to. So Lisa was sharing with me how some people say, oh, it's wrong to write and rhyme. Um, that's not been my experience. Uh, but Lisa, go ahead and jump in. Well, the first thing, if you look online and you Google, which is sometimes really dangerous to do, but I do it all the time, but 
you'll it'll say these are the four top mistakes that children's book authors make is don't write they write and rhyme and they shouldn't um, because they don't know how. But my thing is, is that kids work, they don't care that it's not a perfect rhyme, and their body works in a rhythm. Our heart beats to a rhythm. So when you're working with those little kids, it's only natural for them to think in a, in a rhythmic order. So to me, the rhyme works really well, and Dr. Seuss didn't do so bad with all his rhyming. And I think if, if it comes natural to you, and you write in in rhyme naturally, then you should do that. And nobody should tell you that you can't. Um, if you don't and you and you write in a linear fashion where your story starts at one point and works its way through, then that's what you should choose. Um, you should do what comes naturally in when you're writing. Well, I, I think then I'm going to go back to you need to be reading. Elisa, you've heard me say this so many times with authors. I always want to know who, who their competitions are, who's the comparable authors, who are the best-selling authors, um, what, you know, from their genre, and are they reading them? And the same thing applies to where and the type of books you're writing for kiddos. Are you reading the best-selling authors in there so you can see what they're doing? And if they're rhyming, I'm telling you, you better be rhyming. I'm going to go down that path. <laughs> there's, a, you know, there's a reason why Dr. Zeus has sold a gazillion books. Yes, but now if you can't rhyme, don't do it. If, if it doesn't come natural and you're not feeling it, don't do it. Write your story the write your story the way that you want to. And well, I think that's yeah. Yeah. But I think you need to do your homework and see what's out there. Like, I always think it's a good idea for people who are uh, going to start writing for kids and actually for the older kids is to start looking at Shel Silverstein's books and his I poetry. Now, yeah. he has rhyming in it, but he writes differently. It's got rhyming with a twist. It does. It, and not every sentence has to rhyme. It's exactly. Like exactly. Right. In Bart's Escape Out the Gate, one day I made a big mistake. I forgot to close my pet's gate. That was a bad day for the neighborhood. So I've got those first two that do rhyme, and then we end it with something. Poetry is is more than just every other line rhyming. It's it's lyrics. It's um it's got a sing song to it, mm -hmm. and it may not even need to rhyme. But at yep. the end of the, at the end of that page. Do you leave it with a lyrical quality that leaves the child ready to turn the page? That's right. And that's like, okay, tell me more. Tell me more. I need to hear more about what's happening to Bart, who got out the gate. So. And why was it a bad day for the neighborhood? Oh, yes. It, it. By the way, this is a wonderful book I'd recommend you all get. It's, it's just, wait, Bart does some naughty things. But there's there's the consequences for Bart's owner really is the element. That's the story. So Yes. Yeah. It's about responsibility and doing the right thing. And if you haven't noticed, Bart has ADHD. I put all my flaws in my children's book. I didn't realize it till one day. And then yeah. I thought, okay, Arnold has OCD, Bart has ADHD, Wilhelmina has self-esteem issues, and the boy in Wings and Feet is a little selfish, and that's me. 
<laughs> All right. So if you were to to guide someone to sit down. All right. So you so is there a children's book in you? According to Lisa Renicky, yes, there is. All right. So all right, if you buy into that, okay, there's a children's book with me. What's the first thing I should do, teacher Lisa? What should I do? Well, you mentioned it, and that is to go check out books from the library. But now not all books are good, just like right. when you're writing for your genre. not They're not all good. Um, so you're going to pick out the ones you like, and then we start to figure out why do I like them. And it's usually the character that is well-developed that we love them. If you think about Winnie the Pooh, but I can't tell you the story that happened in some of the Winnie the Pooh, but I can tell you I love Tigger or I love Piglet. Those characters get well-developed. And so the first thing you want to do is develop a character that you really, really like. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing is to read other stories and see how they flow. Look at those characters. Look at the illustrations. What do you like? What do you don't like? Um, read them out loud um, with play, you know, with drama, with player. How would you read them on the couch to your children? Do they sound natural? Do they sound unnatural? And that would be the starting place is to see, you know, look and see what you like and what you don't like and what fits your style more. Mm-hmm. What does fit your style more? And and so you kind of get into the groove. The thing is, what we're talking about is you need to find your mojo. <laughs> Put it bluntly. Yeah. Where is your mojo? Yeah. Your writing mojo um, when we have that. All right. So we find that you're going to do, uh, as Lisa says, you're going to get over to the library or at in the bookstore. I, I always think, and I think what Lisa told you is that there is a lot of crummy books out there. There is book pollution. I've used that phrase a lot over the decade. There's a lot of book pollution out there. So that's where a conversation with the librarian or the person who is buying for the bookstore, what books are selling? what's moving why do they think they are and then you need to look at it and start dissecting the book what made that sentence pop what words were used that you think snap crackle and and pop for the the listener if the story's being read to them or to this young reader what do you think um so you got to get in your head and what made you laugh yes Yes. And or, or giggle or smile. There's a, Lisa, you've seen it. I've seen it. Um, it. It sold. It's the one children's book that sold over a million copies last year. Wonky Donkey. And oh. there it, it's a wonderful yeah. book. The Wonky Donkey. But one of the best things that helped push the sales that there was a Scottish grandma was trying to read it to her uh, grandchild and she couldn't get through the book. She was she oh. was having a heck of a hoot time <laughs> with it, um, and people were buying the book to find out what in the heck she was laughing at. Yeah, they are cute, but then there are also thoughtful books because we do want our kids to go to bed at night um, yes. and not get too giggly. So you know, there's those thoughtful books that give them something to think about and dream about when they go to bed. Um, so there's all kinds of books, but what is your style? What makes you tick? What makes you feel mm-hmm. good? What 
comes natural? What could you, what fits you? Birds fly, fish swim, and you, you know, you write what you write. Exactly, exactly. So um, this is, it's welcome to a new world, actually. It's its a new world. All right, so Lisa, what else do we need to do? We've got the writing. We've done our, we're doing our pre-work, checking things out, what you like. Um, where do we start now? The next thing is, is it, I have a real hard time with a storyboard, but I have to do it. Yep. Like I will actually take sticky notes instead mm-hmm. of, trying to do it on a piece of paper, because every time I try to do it on a piece of paper, I end up throwing it away and starting over, and then I get frustrated. So yep. I just take my character traits on one sticky note, and I put mm-hmm. all my character traits on there, what I like uh, about my character, and then I put my plot, what I want to happen, and the lesson that I'm going to teach, and mm-hmm. then I put um, my conflict, what's the big conflict that's going to happen, and then uh, what I think might happen at the end. And that way that can start my storyboard so I have it on in front of me. And then the next thing I do is I call vomit out the story mm-hmm. and put it on paper. And that's not the way it's going to stay. That's my big old mess. And it's a draft. I think it is a draft. And a lot of times I've tried to tell a story um, – and, and my grandkids will say, Mimi, Mimi, got to tell the story. And I'll try to tell the story, and I've written it out, and it's just, ugh, it just doesn't sound good. And I'll keep working on it when I go to sleep at night. And I've often woken up in the middle of the night, and the story will come clear, and I'll have to get up and get up and write it down so I at least have enough to go on the next day. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going to, we're going to take our, our final break here, but I want everyone to understand that once you get into this, like you've done the sticky notes, the storyboard with who are your characters, what are all their behaviors, their hiccups and their wonderful attributes? What's, what's the lesson that you want to come out with? Um, and with your plot, what's, what's going to get this into deep doo-doo? What's the conflict? And then where do you end it in the outcome? And then you build around it. If you've got that character into play, trust it because those little critters will talk to you. They wake Lisa up at night, um, and they do start guiding you if you let it happen, if you let it happen. All right, you're listening to Author You, your guide to book publishing. I'm Judith Bryles. I'm your book shepherd. With me is the fabulous author, Lisa Renicky, and we're talking kids' books. We'll be right back. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. The book shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and guide to collaborate with you as you create strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You do not need more problems. You want solutions. 
Dr. Judith Riles will shepherd you through the maze and chaos. At times, she has had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher, by a publishing service provider, and sometimes even by the author. If you want author and book success, connect with her today at thebookshepherd.com. At Total Printing Systems, customer service is our priority. We are located in Southern Illinois. Our employees have an average of 18 years experience and know that customer relationships are important to our continued success. We have been a short-run book printer for nearly 40 years and always stay at the forefront of technology. Our niche is from 1 to 5,000 copies. Today, we offer digital black and white and four-color high-speed inkjet printing, a cost-effective way to introduce color into your short-run titles. We, of course, offer traditional offset printing as well. Bindery is done in-house, from adhesive case binding to PUR perfect binding to mechanical binding of all types, including side sewing. We provide warehousing, kitting, distribution, inventory management, a new print-on-demand facility, streaming browser-based ebooks, and bookstore. Call us at 1-800-465-5200 for a quote on your next book project. You can also visit our website at www.tps1.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right, so with me is Lisa Winnicky, and we're really talking about how to take your book, whether you are already an author um, and you're coming from scratch, and really think about writing for the for, for the very lucrative uh, children's market that really does sell a gazillion books. Of course, you have to learn how to sell them. Um, and or you're already writing, and how do you do a conversion? Should you cross over? Should you do a crossover and maybe take your theme? Well, there are some very well-known authors that are doing it. One's by the name of James Patterson, who is writing, writing for the YA crowd. Um, now for the, you know, the really that preteen to teen reader, he's doing a whole bunch or he and his crew, cause he rarely writes anything himself now, but he, uh, they've got that. You've got other John Grissom also has a series for young people. Why not you? All right, Lisa, why not them? Well, I think you should because your book, you wrote a book that makes people feel and it's no different with children's books. It's about a feeling. It's how how do you feel when you read the book? And you want children to have that same feeling when they read the book. Um, mm-hmm. The Bucket Dipper comes to mind. I mean, they're feeling it's a it's a good feeling. They learn something that they can take with them all their life. In an adult book, um, I think about the heart and the fist. Um, that book inspired me to want to go and do more humanitarian things. Why Mm -hmm. shouldn't we give kids those same things to inspire them to want to help others? Mm -hmm. So, yep, I, I think that, 
we have much to say to children and much to help them along their journey. So we were going to talk a little bit, Judith, about that feeling and where we write um, and not ignoring the time, the ripened time that you have to go away and lock yourself in to write or finish that story or have it come to fruition. So many times with our busy life, um, we can't sit down and just write out, peck out a story. So we have to wait until that time really hits us. And for me, sometimes it's the middle of the night and I have to get up. Sometimes it's during church. The preacher will say one word and all of a sudden I'm off on a children's story. But it's actually taking that time away and thinking of how that story can be told to children and to help them. Mm-hmm. And, and I help them. They give them a better understanding or even a different perspective of, yeah. of, of, of something, a belief or whatever is out there on that. So that makes it kind of exciting in the place. But I, I think that you're opening up another window is so, I mean, you you know, Lisa shared that sometimes she gets ideas when she's sitting in, in church that all of a sudden we're triggered. I have that happen to me when I'm watching another movie um, that all of a sudden I'll, I'll hear a line, I'll hear a phrase and it becomes a gotcha. And all of a sudden I am no longer in that movie I am now in my imagination. It's really kind of a delicious thing to do, I think. It is. It sets you up on a a whole new thing that you didn't think of before. Mm -hmm. And also, too, I want to talk a little bit about writing for children. You are writing for children, but you are Mm -hmm. also writing for adults. Mm -hmm. Because you're not just writing for the child because the adult is going to read the book. So you're still writing for adults but you're putting it in a message that the child can understand. Mm, Exactly. You know what? We cannot leave the show without talking about illustrators, finding them. Where do you go? Um, How much should you pay? Um, Are you open? Are you open to kissing on that? I am open to that. That is, I am looking at a book right now that's on my desk that an illustrator did that is cartoonish, but the way that it's done would not, I mean, a kid may look at it, but I don't think he can identify with the character. So when you're looking for an illustrator, you're looking for somebody who can interpret your words into a character that you love to be in that book. And then you're also looking for somebody who's not going to charge you an arm or a leg, and they're going to give you what they promise. With my illustrators, I've had them, first of all, they're going to draw a, well, I'm going to interview them first, and then I'm going to get a drawing. I'm going to give them something, and I said, can you just give me, show me some of your drawings that you've done and some of your other work. So then I can look at their other work. Yeah. Do I like it or do I not like it? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and also, I was going to say, I think it's really important when we're talking a book, there is a flow. They need to understand the flow of the book. So with, with children's books, because it's not a lot of words, I think it's important for the illustrator to read the book. Oh, so they know, for sure. to know what this book yes. is about. 
yeah. and I, 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 the horror story. I remember one time, and this let me talk about overcharging. But she, this, she really loved this high end uh, person uh, who was going to ch- charge. Oh, it was like seventy five hundred or eighty five hundred dollars. Lisa, and she put she printed them. I know that's a wolf, and she printed them all out when she got all of this and came together. And I'm looking at them, and I said, "So, what do you think?" And she says, "Oh, I love I love seeing it." And I said, "Can I tell you what I think?" I said, "These illustrations are flat. They're all the same background. There, I feel no movement. And if you look at the child who is supposed to be a five year old boy." There are sometimes his face looks like it's a teenager. There was just multiple. Uh, and, yeah, and, I've seen and, those. And, yeah. And okay, and here's what she what she never did was put it all out at one time so she could see what's going on, so it could be stopped, so it could be stopped and fixed up. So. Um, I, we don't want you to get into an illustration nightmare. I think that's what Lisa and I don't want you to do. No, and and also get it an estimate up front. There should be they should mm-hmm. charge so much per page. And yeah. also too, you can utilize spreads. I don't know if everybody knows what a spread is. Oh, but, I love spreads. Um, yes, but wings and feet. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, Judith, but wings and feet is all spreads. Um, there's not any individual pictures in there at all. There, he did them all spread. Um, so that's where it goes across both pages. So one picture, they're drawing one picture. So in char- instead of charging you for two pictures, they're going to charge you for one, but it's going to go across both pages, which makes your um, cost makes your bill a little bit less. Yes. Yes. All right. And then so the other. So get your contract. Get, look at your look at some illustrations. Look at what they've done. Get a contract up front, and then also with that contract, make sure that you're paying as you go. So you're not. I don't like to pay up front, and I don't like to pay at the end. I can give them a little money to get started, and then at the midway point, if they get check in and show me what they have so far, then I can you know sometimes do another check, and then not pay pay that final check. Until you get your final project, project, and you're happy with it, right? And the tweaks are all done because there are there will be tweaks, by the way, um, in in all of this that you're going through. All right, so let's go. How do we go shopping for an illustrator? Oh, that's been Ooh. hard. To do, so. <laughs> uh, I know. Well, I lucked out on one, um, so I found one by going to different writers groups and getting some names in the uh-huh. writer's groups of people who do illustrations. Um, uh-huh. By looking at other books, you can also find somebody there. I happen to find Annalise at a writer's group. And I love she's a little bit anime. And did we tell everybody that she was only 15? Yes. When I hired her. Yeah. But she is amazing. Um, but you're also looking for somebody who can interpret your story. So, she never takes my work unless she reads my story. Same with uh, Scott McDonald, who's out of Colorado Springs, who did a couple of my books. And I really like him. He's more expensive. And then um, I, I often hear people say that they're going to do it themselves. And that scares me sometimes, unless you're, unless that is your thing and you know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and I also, I want you to... Um, 
I mean, I, I had a horror story with one of my illustrators that that it was I didn't select it. I just I smelled a rat for this author, and she demanded on getting paid everything up front. Um, she demanded on money orders. She demanded on this, and it turned and she flew the coop basically. And so you've got to be able. That's I pay my credit card for this kind of stuff. So if there is a problem, come back to. And you know what? I'm going to make a suggestion for all of you. We just have a couple minutes here, but if you don't have access to other illustration books, tapping into use the illustrator is on a book cover, by the way. Um, that you can, and you couldn't track down to see what's going on. That I would start with, you know, the one design that uh, to a fiver to a ninety nine design i would go out look at the portfolios in there uh to see if there if you can find someone who likes the images that you're doing who has done children's books and reach it out i've actually have two three three authors i'm working with right now who have been really tickled with the uh, with their contacts that they've gotten through Fiverr, and they are illustrating a whole book for maybe 25% of what it would cost with a full-blown, you know, someone who's got a reputation, let's say. So that could be something. And also, Fiverr, if they don't produce what you want, they don't get paid. So that's a thought. One more thing, too, Judith, is they mm-hmm. need to have that file ready to yes. go to print, <laughs> to yes. lay out. So yes. when they when they finish that file has got to be to the specs to go out to the um, to the layout person to put it in the book and most often your illustrator is not your layout person but sometimes oh. it is well rarely rarely with that Lisa we're out of time thank you thank you thank you for being with us it looks like we could do another show on this <laughs> oh I have fun thank you and everybody get writing yes write write and publish. Thank you for being a part of your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles.